Hey, how are you doing? This is The Daily Marketer. This is part two to our chat with Colin Smith, a marketing leader at Fisher Investments who has an emphasis on employer branding and culture and a deep knowledge of the music industry and communications. Please enjoy this part two conversation with him. So the audience and the culture defines the decisions and the bigger orchestration. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you're right. And and so when you're, I, I really like the idea of comparing it to a, a conductor, because when you're hiring somebody to help you with your creative work or you're hiring a designer, that's kind of the way to think about it. You're trying to hire somebody that's going to help you take all of these pieces. And when you're designing it, anything, there are so many decisions that, that are being made along the way that you really kind of have to find somebody that that you trust and you have to have them explain it to you in a way that that you're then going to get and understand okay here are my goals how yeah. is this design reaching those goals yeah and you might actually sit and say aesthetically i like this one this one appeals to me but the reality is this other design reaches my goals much better and clearer yeah so I, I need to go with this other design. Yep. And that's that's how you remove your personal preference from it. Yep. It's the that 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 critical path. It's like it's like meditating, you know, when you're thinking about your breathing, that's the critical path. But then you start thinking about this thing over here, the car sounds outside. It's like you always go but go back to the objective. Is it achieving the mission? Is it achieving the vision? I love this one over here, but oh, this other one's doing it. You know, we really got to lean towards that because that's it's true to the critical path. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 going to satisfy. It's it's more most likely to lead to success. Right. And, and that's that's the whole thing with, right. with any marketing work is you're just trying to increase your odds of success. Yeah. That's true for launching a company, or that's true for launching a band, or that's true for whatever. Increasing um, your chance of success, right? Exactly. It's it's the long term. You got to take the long term, not the short term. Yeah, that's yeah. that's always your overall goal. And too often, when people work with, too often either people don't know how to approach a designer, yeah, um, or they uh, approach them like they're um, ordering a pizza. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And, yeah. And that I mean, I run a design team, and that's the one thing that we hate. Yeah. Right? When when people come to us with like, okay, here are all the decisions, like. You know, I feel like I need a overall po- uh, poster or whatever, and it's like, well, if you're looking to um, the a kind of a good example is like a, a sales group had reached out to us and said, um, or if, if our sales group had reached out to us and said, well, we're looking to uh, increase our overall um, perseverance, right? And it's like, well, we can put up a bunch of posters of cats that say, you know, hang in there, yeah, um, on it and and do those, but that's not really going to make an overall difference. Right. You have to actually think about what's our overall goal. Now, how do we design something that's multifaceted that's going to reach what that overall goal is? And so when people come to us with something that's too prescriptive, yeah. Right. They've jumped to a solution. Yep. Right. And and you don't want to do that. You want to work with your creative all the way through. They're saying, here's the answer. Make the answer come to life. And you're saying, no, we're gonna we're gonna work to, to that answer together. Exactly. That might not be it, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're, let's first talk about the problem and use the creative then to provide that insight. 
right? Because they're they're going to have different solutions and different aspects, and they're going to bring things to the table that you're not, and so they become a critical partner in this. Yeah. I, go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, I always think about it like, don't think of it like ordering a pizza. Think about it like you're you're talking to a dietitian. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Like it's like a dietitian. Yeah. You're like, OK, let me explain what my overall goals are and let's then craft a plan in order to reach those goals and your preferences and all of those types of things are being factored in. You're providing yeah. input to it all along the way because yeah. you want the plan to be successful but you are leaning on on them for their overall expertise. And it's, it's kind of like, if you think about it the other way, if you um, approach a dietitian and say, well, yeah, I want to order a pizza. But the first thing they're going to kind of sit and say, or if you're approaching a designer that way, they're going to sit and say, okay, well, what's the, what are your overall goals? What's the pizza for? Yeah. Are you throwing a party? Who else yeah. is attending the party? What's it's the theme of the day? party? What's right. this? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, are there dietary are there dietary restrictions at the overall party? Because if you're ordering, you know, pizza, for example, for a Cinco de Mayo party, yeah. it's not necessarily going to fit. Right. Right. Like it's a healthy and, pizza. Right. <laughs> well, it's true. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or what are your health goals? Or what are the what are all those things? And so a designer should be asking all all of those questions. Um, and oftentimes it's it's hard if you already approach the solution. You then have to go back through that process. Yeah. And you have to kind of rethink and and remake all of those little decisions that you've already made along the way. And that's really hard to do. So the yeah. best thing is to not approach it with that. Get an idea of what your what your goals are. Get an idea of what your beliefs are. Understand yeah. who your audience is, and then work with the designer because because the designer is a problem solver in how you're going to go about delivering. Yeah, a, a a good designer is that right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and that that'll separate a good designer from a bad designer. Right. So so I want I want to wrap up the, the digging into how do you cultivate a fan a fanatic? Uh, so participation. I feel like we've already started to talk about it a little bit uh, so what's what's an example of that or what what does that look like how do you develop participation among your your customers or your users or your your listeners yeah i mean oftentimes it's it's you know it's some sort of activity that you want them to do yeah right and so when you see brands doing this like a real simple thing could be share this post and be entered into a raffle Right. That's a real simple example for participation. One of the things I always think of is, is going way back um, is uh, the rise of Shepard Ferry. Right. So Shepard mm-hmm. Ferry is an yep. artist. Um, he's a very well-known artist, street artist. Uh, most people would know if they don't know him, they know his work because he designed the Obama Hope poster. And he also designed the, the Obey logo, the Obey clothing yeah, Obey. brand logo. The whole right. Obey, yeah, clothing the brand, whole, all of right. that stuff. So Shepard Ferry got his start through stickers. Yep. Right. He created a, a bunch of stickers, I mean thousands, probably millions of them. Um, and it had uh, Andre the Giant on it. Yeah. Uh, and it said, um, Andre the Giant has a posse. And what he did is he got his friends to go out and put these stickers everywhere. And stickers were always, um, particularly for artists or brands or streetwear companies or any of that type of stuff, stickers were always really, really um, key to, to driving their brand because they were really inexpensive. Yeah. And they could get their audiences to go out and kind of put them all over the place. Right. 
And so Shepard Ferry started off having, he had them put all over the place, all over the cities. You used to see them all over the East Coast and it just continued to grow and grow and grow. And yeah. you saw these Andre the Giant, Andre has a posse, Andre the Giant has a posse stickers everywhere. And people started out, well, what is that? What are those things? And then he started to do Andre the Giant Obey stickers. Right? Yeah. And that led to the launch of the Obey thing. But he overall yeah. raised his profile through this massive amount of participation um, to the point that he became, you know, one of the biggest uh, contemporary artists around. Right. That the Obama campaign um, used his poster. Yeah. Right. And and that was that was the primary primary overall, um, you know, messaging and, and poster used for the campaign was that was that hope poster. And yeah. And when you think about it, too, I mean. Think about such a, a succinct way to articulate the beliefs at the time, right? Yeah, it was one word, hope. hope right, right. This this was what this was what Obama was selling, and that's what caused him to win the overall election. He didn't win off of a plan. He didn't win off of something overly complicated. He, yeah. he won off of this belief. Yep. Right. Yeah. So participation in that example was stickers anyone can put the sticker anywhere you share the stickers and uh in the example that you shared uh with you know share this post it's the virality aspect of it and maybe if if it's a brand it's it's put a viral feature into it and and make it easy and put it everywhere it's almost like slap slap the virality feature everywhere you can because it's it's only going to do do you good to to do that for people, people to participate in that yeah, and, and think of a way for people like so oftentimes at this point in, in the overall process, when you're thinking about your your brand, right? Um and and all of the different components and your beliefs in it, think about how can I get my audience to participate in it? How can I yeah. uh, create little activities for them to engage in? So now they're living the brand. Yeah. I think a good example was was Radiohead when they released in Rainbows and mm-hmm. they made it free to stream, right? And yep. that was that was a that was a huge thing to do back in 2000, was it 7? And yeah. it it was it was kind of counter and of course it made you want to share with and it was a really great album. It made you want to share with other people maybe, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and and that's you know, I mean, um, those are all all the aspects. I mean, the funny thing is, artists don't really make much money off of their music anymore, yeah. right? A, an artist is making money off of their shows, the tours. They, yeah, they make money off of the tours, and so the yeah. music it's almost worth giving away. Hmm. It, it becomes content marketing. It has become. It, yeah, it's it's just content marketing. Yeah, and um and so there's not much difference then between hmm. like a, a Taylor Swift and a, and a Kardashian. Yeah, right? because what they're doing is hmm. it's just the avenue that they're using or their overall skills and, and how they're going about um, uh, promoting that. Yeah. Um, and and so that's the thing is that it is just content. And if you can provide an exclusive track or uh, exclusive information or whatever, um, have people go through some sort of activity. Yeah. Uh, then then it really makes makes a big difference. And so for merchandise, you do limited runs. Mm-hmm. Or you number. It's only so many printed shirts, for example, exactly. or v- v- vinyl, vinyl, right? V- yeah, vinyl's huge, right? Vinyl's right. had this huge comeback, and now, um, and and that's what record labels are doing, right? They're like, hey, we only have you know 500 pressings of this of this yeah. one album, and so it becomes this collector piece, yeah, right? Because when it's gone, it's gone. 
Um, and so that they're the way that they're kind of getting more and more out of their catalog is that they're building in, you know, more and more of that that exclusivity. But but a lot of the participation then is like when you think about people unboxing, right? And all those types of videos, right? right. Those are all kind of aspects of, of how people can kind of go about engaging engaging with your overall brand. How how can they play a part in it? Um, yeah. Because your fans, they, they want to sell you and they want to promote you. Yep. They do. And they want to, they, they have a lot to say. I, it reminds me when I, when I get something or I, I got this bonsai tree, it said that there's a car in there. It's like, Oh, share it, you know, share your bonsai tree, like post it here. We'll even provide you some, you know, a, a rebate of $30 if you do that. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. That's they're, they're, they're thinking about it the right way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that participation, you know, piece is, is really, really key. And as you get bigger, you can come up with, you know, more and more creative ways in order to do that. Yeah. Um, maybe it's, you know, having your audience participate in a, in a video that you're going to do online, yeah. right? Like, Hey, participate in our next YouTube commercial. Yeah. Right. Uh, submit some footage with it. User right? generated. Yep. Exactly. And so, um, so they can be be using the the overall product, and and those things are really important because those people that have their their picture in that video or whatever it is, they're going to turn around and share that with all of their friends. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I I want to sh- shift gears a little bit now. So uh, you recently rebuilt a brand, uh, maybe in the past couple of years at the financial mm-hmm. services company you're at right now. So. How did you do that? And it seemed like all of your past experience was really compounding uh, to, leading up to, to, to that experience. So maybe we can start with uh, how did you start the conversation to say, we, we let's rebuild this brand or were you approached to do it? I mean, it was a bit of both. Um, okay. I, I had been pushing for it a long time in the overall kind of concept of design at the organization um, because we we really had and and um in some ways still do struggle struggle with the idea of design and, and really understanding its impact. Um, but this was the real first attempt to to do it and, and we primarily did it as a cultural component. Hmm. Right. Not only how we go about advertising our um organization, uh particularly to to new candidates, um, but how do we advertise how do we internally? Well, externally to attract talent, but then as well internally right. to uh, how, how do we reinforce our overall culture? And so this was, uh, I mean, my my team, we're a design team, but we do a lot of, of work with, with culture um, because we want to design that experience all, all the way through. Um, and and we went about thinking about how do we, what are the problems that we, that we currently face with, with all of our designs? We have multiple... Um, we have our parent organization, but then there are all these different components in it. So we didn't really have something that felt unified. So if you were communicating on one side of the business, you could have a particular look and look and feel, maybe maybe a particular color that you would use that wouldn't translate on another. Right. Yeah. And so audience would audiences would feel alienated. Right. Yeah. They'd start to feel like they were like, I don't I can't like identify that. with that. That's that just feels different than what I know. Exactly, exactly. So a lot of that conversation we had approached and we started we started discussing the idea of, of gaining control. Hmm. Right? Control was a real, real component. 
real important component for for the leaders of, of the organization. How do we maintain control of our culture, right? Um, how do we do it as as we continue to grow, right? Yeah. And maintain control of of um, all the way through our our the quality of our service, right? And and a brand is a real critical component in doing that. Right, it gets everybody on the same page. It articulates it. It it determines what stories you're you're going to want to tell to your to your audience. Yeah. Um, and so that was that was the big thing was how how do we gain control over over this type of stuff and particularly as our organization is growing. Right. It's one thing when when you're really small and and everybody's kind of working side by side and you have a handful of people and it's another thing when you have thousands of employees all, all across the globe. Yeah. Right. Um, so how do you go about establishing that? Um, yeah. Then the big thing was how do we really get a good understanding of what our, what our values and beliefs are? How do we, how do we really do um, articulate that we had some components that were already built out, but we knew that these needed to be expanded upon. And the components that we already had weren't necessarily articulated clearly. Mm -hmm. So that needed to go through a bit of a translation. Yeah. So rebuilding the brand entailed what as an outcome? Uh, It it was, was it a new logo, new values communicated, new messaging? What what was all the collateral? So a brand... Oftentimes, people will think of a brand as a logo. We yeah. actually didn't didn't change our logo. In fact, we consolidated everything down so that mm-hmm. so that the logos were much more consistent. But you had overall design, design elements, yeah. coloring, all of those factors in it. We built out a really massive message platform mm-hmm. as part of it. Um, at the very top, we had what's our overall organizational purpose. Yeah. What are the cultural components that we have underneath that? Um, what you know, that includes? What are our values? What's our overarching vision? All of those pieces. Um, what's headlines, taglines yeah. uh, beneath that? Subheads. All of those aspects, and then um, outlining what are particular message pillars that we want to get across to people. What are things that are really important? to us that we want to communicate and then going out and, and building that as well. What are headlines and, and subheads beneath that? What are, what's yeah. overall messaging that we can use? What are proof points that we can introduce to people that are going to, that are going to help them believe this. Right. So when we design the brand, we designed this big, massive thing, but the whole idea was about how do we tell our story better? Yeah. And that yeah. was, that was what led to our success. So, so, so our ability to tell us to tell a story. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so the the outcome of rebuilding the brand, what what was it? It sounded like it was it was it was positive, it was successful. Yeah, absolutely. It was, I mean, and and in essence, we just built a giant toolbox yeah. for us to be able to pull from as as we create content and you know over the long term. Um but it was incredibly successful and and a lot of that, like I mentioned, was tied to the idea of of telling the story. And so I, I mean, when we would communicate it to employees, we would start, we would sit down and show something that was radically different than anything that they had seen before. Um, and then we went through and explained like the design and the look and the feel. And, and there was a component and I knew when it, when it would happen because it happened for every audience, mm-hmm. every time we would, we would communicate it to them. Um, but there would be audible gas. Huh? The, people, the aha. Yeah. 
and that okay. was and and I knew and I knew exactly when that moment was going to be. Hmm. Um, and I would communicate to them because I would be like, okay, you're looking at this thing and you think that this is what it needs. But now I'm gonna show you uh, this design element in a few different components. Yeah. And it's going to it's going to change what that means to you. And so we started showing it within within all of these different designs, and people would be like, Oh, I get it, I understand it. We've always communicated in this one particular way. Now we're using this to communicate it in, in another way. Um, so what was the aha that resonates that you saw happen repeatedly? I mean, once they understood the intention behind the, behind the design, behind the creative choices. Yeah. Right. And, and it was always like, we've always communicated these things internally. Now that we're communicating what we're all about or externally, now that we're communicating all these internally, we're looking on the inside. And here's how we're visualizing that. Yeah. And so you, this thing that you thought was just some colors or, or just like some kind of small design element, there's yeah. real meaning behind this. And then as we explain that story to people, we can show that individual design element to them yeah. and, they, and they understand what that means. Got it. So of the three building a brand ways to do it, belief-based, feature benefit, and emotional, you lean into the belief-based. Absolutely. Well, Yes, for usually it tends to lead lead to better longer term results. Yeah, but I do think that you want to be a bit prescriptive with how you go about doing this. And you could even design something that uses all three. Yeah, you could outline here's our overall beliefs. Bar elements from the other ones. Yeah, right. Yeah, here's here's our overall beliefs. Here's the emotional impact we expect you to feel. And here's how the features of our products re- reinforce our beliefs or the features of our service do that, right? And so you could build something that actually incorporates all three of them and kind of go back and forth. But, but I'm always a, a firm believer that you want to be very prescriptive with, with what it is you're doing, that it's not one size fits all. Yeah. And so based off of what your goals are, you're going to use different tactics in order to reach them. Yeah. So, so what, what year was that when you rebuilt the brand? Was that 2016? I actually think we released it in 2018. 2018. Okay. But it so, was a multi, it was a multi-year process. I, mean, I bet. Redoing your brand work, particularly for an organization of thousands is, is one of the biggest, most complicated projects that, that you can do. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, it's technology or any any type of of project. Um, it's one that's one of the biggest things that, uh, that endeavor. Yeah, endeavors because it's risky and it it's and yeah. it's hard. And as we were starting to communicate it to employees, when we started, when we heard those audible gasps, we knew we knew that we had it. Yeah, we knew that we explained it, and then it was like, then people got it, and then it was all. And then you have to reinforce it. Literally, I, we rolled it out over, you know, what was basically the course of a week. And then we started getting feedback the following week that we were just introduced to this thing and now it's everywhere. Yeah. It feels like overnight this thing is everywhere. And it's like, yes, that's the idea behind mm-hmm. kind of a brand launch is that there's a huge amount of components, but you want to weave it into the day to day. And then, you know, you build out this giant toolkit that you can use and that gives you so many options it allows you to create content a lot faster it allows you to maintain that control right and it allows you to build trust with your audience so how is how is the financial services company 
tangibly and intangibly different since that introduction, almost like a chapter in a book or a new season to a show. How is it different compared to before the inciting incident of, of introducing it? Culturally, it's, it's dramatically different. Okay. And you could see that through engagement surveys and, and employee retention rates and, you know, all of those factors. So all those got better? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And we're still, I mean, it's still relatively new and we're still coming up with more and more ways that we can go about go about articulating it. Um, and that's the thing is we, we've got a long journey. I mean, we have, you know, a decade, if not more, that we could that we could use this brand. Um, yeah. And we haven't even communicated the entirety of the story to it. Yeah. Right? Like, like we have one of the things, because we had all these different colors tied to all of these different um, parts of our business, um, we incorporated that into, into the overall brand. And then we ended up using a color that none of our business units would ever use. Hmm. Right. So we ended up using this color purple as, as part of our overall brand. Uh-huh. And the idea was, was that there's always going to be something left to be built. There's always going to be something that we haven't done yet. And we're always going to be continue to strive. And so basically we would never use purple in any other in any other capacity of that. But anytime we want to talk about building out a future or building out, you know, kind of, kind of something like new and different and and the aspects of our future, we can incorporate that that culture and uh, or that that color. And we you haven't can even pull that lever, right? Yeah. And we and we haven't even really exercised that too much. Yeah. Right. But that's a good example of of outlining that. Um, and being really intentional with what you're what you're doing, and in this particular case, we used we used a color, yeah, in, in order to do that, right? But we thought about what are all the different stories that we want that we want to be able to tell, and how do we turn what's a negative in that you have all these different um, you know design elements and colors across all of these different companies into a positive. Yeah, and there might be an, an aversion to the color purple because right? you probably did a lot of color psychology in, in the whole thing. But if most financial services companies do, do do the navy or blue and white and maybe gray as an accent, right? So pur- purple is yeah. kind of people could have an aversion to it. Absolutely. Well, and it's not it's not a primary uh, not, thing that yeah. we're using. It's yeah. it's something that we'll only use for. Um, for accents or, you know, when it comes to telling the story. Yeah. Right. It's, it's interesting times at a, at a financial firm now. And so as we start to talk about, you know, the overall future after um, the Corona pandemic and all, all those different factors, right. We can start to tell that, that side of the story, but because we already have those components kind of built out, we're not scrambling to think about that. Yeah. Um, in the moment, because it's really it's really hard once the stress is up and once people right. are dealing everyone with everyone gets reactive. They're not thinking about the brand at all, about the future. They're thinking about the short term. Exactly, exactly. Right. So, so those are all, um, you know, th- those are all kind of pieces. And, and I look forward to kind of building that out over time. And there are many aspects of the story that we haven't told, but but when we told the 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 big component, you know, the overarching message and the story that we were using in design, that's when everybody got it. And it was because they understand the purpose and they could clearly see how this design piece is fulfilling our overall goal. Yeah. And our overall messaging of who it is. And once that connection was made, it was like, oh, there there was no other need for for buy-in. 
people yeah. are like, oh, we, we're, we're fully on board. They're like, we're, okay, I, I'm going to row in that direction. You got me. Yeah. And it was a significant change. Yeah. I mean, right, that's the big thing. It was a significant change for people. And I knew that when we were first presenting it to them, it, it was going to be met with people fear change. Yeah, right. right? And, and we do a lot of change. We do a lot of change management on my yeah. team as well because it's, it's such a big component of, uh, you know, human behavior and, and shaping behavior. But, you know, I, I felt really confident in the story that we were telling. Yeah, and we had such a good story behind behind the brand. If we didn't have that story behind it, then it's just personal preference, right? And and you don't have control, and you don't have any of those pieces. Yeah, well, and then there wouldn't have been the relatability, right? Yeah. Uh, that 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 people could identify with, and, and them being in on it, being within the company, they wouldn't have the the access to it either. If if you wouldn't have made it relatable and they wouldn't have been able to participate in it. If you want to include all those stakeholders to say, let me help you get the aha moment. Yeah. And then, and then we have new ways um, uh, too, that we're building out, out uh, components for all of our different business units um, across the entirety of the organization. So they can outline, here's how, um, you know, we go about fulfilling our overall brand, which yeah. in turn is how we go about fulfilling our overall culture and our promise to our clients and all these aspects. And that's true whether or not you work in customer service or sales or something like technology yeah. or operations, you know, behind the scenes type of stuff. Yeah. And, and again, that, that's kind of how your, you know, design is is really about that art of intention, right? Everything yep. is intentional all the way through and that, and that gives you control. And if something's poorly designed, then you have unintended consequences. Right. You get that variance. And uh, I don't know, I don't know bit many business owners that like to have unintended consequences. <laughs> Amen. I, so, yeah. so, so to give you some feedback as someone, the, the person that I work with that we both know, uh, Kurt, he told me the, the, the culture has really changed to feel more like he said what he imagines a startup feeling like. And uh, it's, he, he described it as really vibrant and uh, somewhat uh, some solidarity between everyone in, in it. So I, I think that's probably the, the best feedback uh, that, that you could hope for the best signal, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and obviously, I mean, I, uh, I really appreciate hearing that, but, um, but yeah, I mean, that, that was the thing, like our, our, that's all part of our goals. We had all these different businesses, right? We had to create something that's unified. Yeah. Right. And There's no so, other way. It's kind of like you have to do it. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so, and so for, for everyone to be able to see that and kind of understand, it's like, okay, we accomplished our overall goal. Yeah. Now, I mean, and the funny thing is about, about the overall design, there are, there are components in there that, you know, personally, I'm, I'm obviously drawn to, but it's not like I would, you know, use all of this stuff as as design and art pieces in my house. Right. right? It's, right. it's not about my personal preference. Right. It really right. is about how how are we fulfilling our overall goals and objectives that that we're, we're trying to achieve? Yep. Yep. So, so I only have a couple small questions for you yeah. uh, to wrap it up. So I always like to ask. How can I help? Uh, is is there anything that I can do in service of uh, either the the company you're at or in your career uh, that I could help with? For me, I, I mean, I'm currently I'm looking at a lot. I, I'm looking at the music industry a lot. So I've mm-hmm. started doing a lot of work with with you know my friend who um, owns a label and has all of these different aspects. He's got a musical that uh, we're we're helping um, produce and all of these all of these different. Uh, components. And a lot of it is about kind of understanding the new landscape and yeah. 
I've worked in social media marketing and I worked in and all of these marketing all across the board. But my whole thing is is about still understanding, still about trying to find new insights, still about finding creative yeah. ways to um, relate to relate to audiences and and do all those things because. I mean, the music industry has changed so much yeah. and it's going to continue to change. And and I wouldn't be surprised if like the next Justin Bieber doesn't have a record label. Yeah. They never get a record label because there are all of these different services like Patreon and yeah. Kickstarter and all of these different things that they could use. Um, they might not ever go that route. Yeah. And so what does that look like? And what is the future of the of the industry look like. And that's something that I've been talking with a lot of my friends about, like, you know, what's, what are the components that aren't there yet, but should be? Yeah. Um, what, what, what's the future look like and how, what's your role within it? Yeah. Well, yeah. If, if, you, if you can get a good insight as to, I mean, I remember when Steve Jobs pitched iTunes yeah. um, and, he, and he pitched it to all of the independent record labels first and he got them all to, um, sign up and then he used that in order to leverage the uh majors into into signing up a um, yep as a proxy as a yeah yeah. and that's kind of a good example of focusing on your niche audience first and then leveraging it yeah um but you know he pitched it with the overall idea of currently you've got things like napsters and all this file and file sharing and and you're not making any money on that so here's a chance for you to make a little bit of money and it ended up being a terrible deal for record labels and artists over the long term. I mean, the, the companies that make the vast majority of, of the money are the streaming companies, right? It's the technology, right. yep. not, not the artists. Um, so Spotify and... Absolutely. I mean, I mean, yeah, they're paying pennies, right? Uh, right? And, yeah. um, and, uh, and um, so, but the thing is, like all of the aspects that Steve Jobs had talked about, about the future of technology and about where it was going and how it was going to impact music, he was right. And the funny thing is, I don't know if he was right because he could see the future or if he was right because he built it. Yeah. If, if he actually manipulated it to be that way in the end anyway. Right. Because he, you know, he foresaw the streaming and he foresaw these out and he foresaw things like the CD going away. And and that was and people were talking about it for years at a time and nobody in, in the in the music industry had had responded to that. Nobody yeah. had had reacted until it was too late and then and then things like Napster started to come around. Yeah. Right. And um and, and those created huge, huge problems for them. And it took nearly twenty years for them for them to start to kind of figure it out. When when I had worked in the music industry, they were six or six to nine major labels and that consolidated down to three yeah and only now are those three making more money than they used to back when there were six or nine of them right Right. and so only now are there being are they being 20 20 years years later later, yeah are they being as successful when there's far less competition yeah as as they were back in the day uh and so they didn't see that they didn't they didn't have the kind of foresight in in order to do it so i mean that's what i'm spending a lot of my my time doing i mean that's that's what i can use a lot of help with yeah um and and i, I to me it's all about perspective and yeah. and you know i always appreciate when somebody can come along and be like well you're looking at it this way but what if you look at it this way and that opens the door to whole new whole new ideas whole new angles yeah 
Yeah, well, I'm happy to talk outside of this and feel free to text me or call me. We can talk more about it. I I could provide what I can in, in a perspective uh, coming from more of a paid marketing, performance marketing, direct marketing sort of a way. But I, I, I'm with you on the whole brand perspective sort of a thing. So I also try to embody that too. Yeah. I mean, it's different. And and a lot of times people aren't necessarily, you know, they don't take the time to think about this, but because the hard part is it's like anything you spend most of your time preparing. Yep. And then the execution is usually much, much faster. Right. But yeah. if, you do, if you don't prepare and you're trying to do the execution at the same time, it takes way longer. 100%. And, and so people don't, they don't realize that in order to really execute a paid campaign, the more of this upfront work right. you can do, the more, the more successful it's going to be. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, uh, and then last question, where, where can we find you, Colin, and, and any asks of the audience? Uh, I mean, you can find me on uh, LinkedIn. You can find me on, um, uh, you can email me. Uh, I'll be more than welcome to provide my email to people. Um, and, you know, particularly for the audience, I'm interested in hearing from them uh, a lot of their thoughts on this. How does what we talked about uh, help them? How do they find it, it relatable? What are their kind of aha moments as, as we've been chatting here? Um, yeah. And as well, what are the unique perspectives that they have, right? When hopefully this kind of opens some doors and then people can take that and expand upon it and, and take it in new directions and then circle that back. And then that'll that'll take me in new directions and, and new ways of thinking about it. Um, because th- this is the blend between art and science. And yeah. uh, I, don't, I don't feel like people have really... Um, we're, we're not anywhere near truly understanding the, the science behind it all um, yeah. because there's always going to be an element of art to it. There's always going to be an element of, of that overall creativity to it. Yeah. And marketing always has started out as it, it, it's, it's, it used to be a hundred percent art, right? And yeah. the hopeful science that it worked and now, now it's starting to, to lean towards uh, a little more of the, the blend of the two. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I, I ask questions like, you know, people will talk about, I'm always interested in the things that people take for granted or the things that we make assumptions around. Like people will talk about transparency. Oh, it's really yeah. great for a company to be transparent about this or really great for for them to be transparent with employees and customers about what's going on. But it's like, what does that mean? Yeah. What are the components of communication that makes something transparent? Yeah. Right. And and those are the types of things that I'm kind of spending my time thinking about now. And and if anybody has any ideas or insight around that, you know, I'm I'm all ears because um because it certainly would be good for companies to know if, hey, all right, I want to be transparent around this. Is there some sort of checklist that I yeah. know that I need to cover? Right. Of, you know, it's not just the why are we doing this, but what are my what's my motivation? Yeah. An individual for making this decision, right? And and how am I showing empathy to the audience that it impacts, and all of these different aspects that that are key to transparency. But but it's not simply telling people what's going on. Yeah, Th- there's more to it. There's than so that. much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot more why. Yeah, yeah. Well, Colin, thanks for coming on the show, and maybe maybe we'll do a a, a second round sometime in the future. Yeah, I it's appreciate to talk it. About. Thanks for yeah. having me. Thanks a ton, Colin. Yo, 
Thanks for listening to that two-part conversation with our guest. I really do hope I'm creating some value for you and making the journey of entrepreneurship a little less noisy, a little less lonely, and a little less stressful. Before you go, I want to ask you for one small favor. If you liked what you heard, please help grow the show with me by either one, reviewing on Apple Podcasts, or two, subscribing to the show. To sweeten the deal, we're going to do something a little special. If you review the show on Apple Podcasts, I'm going to enter you into a $50 Amazon gift card contest, which we're going to announce the winner of every other week. It's simple. Review the show on Apple Podcasts. It's that little purple podcast app on your phone. Go to the show, scroll to the bottom, and hit review. 10 seconds, 10 words, very easy, and be entered into a raffle for a $50 Amazon gift card, which we're going to announce the winner of every other Thursday. It's free money. You got to love that. And it's easy to do. If you wouldn't mind doing that, that would be amazing. Thanks and take care and good night.